Warning! The Bone Bad Joe is intended for adults only and contains bad words and other yucky stuff that may make some people very angry. So watch out! This October 31st, All Hallows Eve, Pop Syndicate in association with Outsiders and represent the most horrifying event in Halloween history, the Outside the Cinema Halloween Throwdown. <laughs> really? You don't think you don't think that's a little over the top at all? Maybe a little. All right. Well, tell the people what's going to happen. Okay. Where was it? Yes, this Halloween, All Hallows Eve outside the cinema is doing a marathon of deadly proportions. <laughs> really, with the quips? That's that's how you're gonna that's how you gonna play this? Hey, you don't need to make your reward. Just hurry up. This Halloween, twelve hours of content coming from outside the cinema. You will get to see six films of horrific origins. <laughs> There'll be special guests like Mike D from RedBarRadio.com, the return of the illustrious F13 from Cinema Diabolica, Rick from the Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema, maybe, and a special hosting appearance by the one and the only Miles of Show Show. It is going to be off the hizzle. All that Halloween stuff and you end with off the hizzle? Hey, I only do this part-time. I'm not professional. Either way, Creepy McCreep over here has it right. From noon to midnight on October 31st at OutsideTheCinema.com, we'll be streaming six of the most horrifyingly bad films you've ever seen. I don't know if that's a good thing or not. Either way, you're going to get some enjoyment out of it. So starting at noon on Halloween, join us at OutsideTheCinema.com for all the ghoulish fun. Digital broadcast where we've got dick jokes galore. Bone Bat. This is Sarah Sin of the Creep Show, and you are listening to the Bone Bat Show.
up, everybody? Welcome to The Bone Bat Show, episode 4 and 30. This is Steve. And this is Gord. How you doing, man? Dude, I, I gotta tell you, I'm doing this, I am doing this podcast sick. I feel like poop. I have a fever. It's probably the poop fever, which is a lot better than fever poop, because that's horrendous. You don't want to get fever poop. I wouldn't think so. Can we quit talking about poop? I don't think anybody tuned in quite for that. Oh, this isn't the poop bat show? I don't think it is. Oh, okay. I think people are in a Halloween mood. I think that that's why they tune into the Bone Bat Show. Oh, kind of a creepy show, huh? Exactly, and it's a good thing that our music this episode is from the band The Creep Show. Ah, what are the odds? No kidding. We got uh, some awesome music lined up for the show. Why are you talking in slow motion? What do you mean? (laughs) We got some awesome music line. Because I'm looking at my notes. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) So we got a bunch of shit. We got an awesome uh, session of multimedia triage. We've got uh, cool music from the Creep Show. We've got a whole section on some uh, haunt tours of the greater Seattle area that I took over the last couple of weeks. I'm going to give you the rundown on which haunts are cool to check out. We got a lot of shit. So basically, we're going to grab you by the balls or like a six-pack, whichever the case may be, and drag you screaming into the Halloween spirit. That's right. You know, I got a creepy story to lead off the show with, too. A creepy, mysterious, tragic story from my friend Bake, who we haven't talked about in a long time. But Bake is now a chef at a restaurant. It's sort of an open floor plan cafe type place. So the people that are sitting dining at his cafe can very easily see the kitchen and all that's going on in the kitchen and and bake being the chef sort of in the middle chopping vegetables directing traffic flow and bake is a pretty big dude he's a fairly imposing figure he's he's not a little shrimpy bastard like myself so anyway he's he's in the he's in the kitchen they got they got people eating out in the the dining room and he's chopping vegetables and, and he hears this sound, this squeak, like this, this mysterious squeak sound. And then he doesn't hear it again. And so he's chopping vegetables, kind of looking around, going, what the, what is that? And he's, uh, all of a sudden he hears it again. And, it, he, and then nothing. And he can't place it. Now, that's, it's fairly noisy. I mean, there's the, the other guys in the kitchen cooking behind him and the waiters and waitresses, you know, bringing plates and people out there dining. And so he's, he's chopping vegetables going, God, what is this? And he keeps hearing it, and he keeps not being able to identify it. So finally, he calls over one of the waitresses and asks her if she hears it. It's nothing. She doesn't hear it. And so he keeps her there until she hears it, too. And they figure out, like, you know what this is? I think there is a squirrel that's running around in the vents, in, like, the HVAC that's going over the dining room and the diners and stuff, which will not do. You you can't have rodents running around in your in your restaurant <laughs> i wouldn't think so 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 he's getting a little paranoid about this and and he, he can't place you know specifically where the squeak is coming from because he wants to try to isolate that area you know figure out what the hell to do he doesn't want a squirrel falling on someone's salad and so he finally he finally just turns to the kitchen staff turns around puts his back to the dining room faces the kitchen staff and goes all right everyone stop what you're doing Stop what you're doing. I want to hear this. I want to hear this. And at that point, he said this to the, the dining room, like everybody who's sitting there eating. Yeah. So everyone that's eating kind of like stops and puts their fork down and they're looking at him, too. So he has 
the floor. He's the center of attention now in this <laughs> restaurant. Great. And everyone's kind of looking at him expectantly. And then he hears it. Skeet! And he looks over, and it's the sound of a squeaky valve on the oxygen tank of one of the elderly patrons in the restaurant. This guy's <laughs> oxygen tank is squeaking. Looking at like looking at Bake like Bake is a total ass. <laughs> and like there is nowhere for him to hide. I mean he's like standing there. Everyone's looking at him. He's feeling like an ass. Goes back to chopping his vegetables. Just nothing you can do. Well you sure there's something you can do. He can cop the guy's fucking meal. <laughs> I think he tried to crawl away and hide, actually. I mean, don't he make off the meal. I don't know. You better ask him because that's. I think that's only right. If he embarrasses the guy in front of a whole fucking restaurant, he should definitely comp that man his sandwich or whatever it is. I'll ask. I'll find out what he did for the for the man that he humiliated in front of everybody. <laughs> Please do. Oh, uh, you know what I got right here? Hear that? What do you got? That's a sound. Is of it time for Halloween, our our first Halloween M and M's? Our treat reviews. Okay. So we're going to do a little be like something. An ongoing thing. Yeah, it is going to be. We're going to do it a couple times during the show, right? So here's yeah. here's how we did this. We decided we're going to review some treats. I have a bag of candy here that my lovely wife, Julie the Ska Mama, went out and bought. I have not seen what candy. Is oh, wow. It? Now, at the same time, I am also drinking only Halloween-themed beers. So Dude, what's it like to be loved? <laughs> it's very nice. So right oh. now I'm drinking from Southern Tier Brewing Company. I'm drinking Imperial Pum King. It's got an interesting bottle. And for a pumpkin beer, it's okay. I kind of hate pumpkin beer. It sounds dreadful, dude. But it, So it's not too bad. It's funny because I go into the beer store, and I, I ask the woman, I, I pick up this bottle, and I go, hey, does this totally suck? <laughs> She's like, no, it's good. So, hmm. I'm eating uh, not bad. peanut M&M's chocolate candy. It's a fun size. Which means I don't have to eat too many of these. You know what's fucked up about the pumpkin beer is what? the, like, nutmeg flavor in it. Mm. Yeah, it has nothing to do with pumpkin. And so they have, they feel the need to throw nutmeg in the yeah, beer. Yeah, I, I don't like, really want that? nutmeg in my beer. I have some other beers, though. We will move on later. But, uh, hey, okay, so I, I have... I'm drinking beer, but I'm drinking water because I have a fever and I feel like poo. I got the poo fever, man. <laughs> All right, I just hauled... I got the H1N poo. <laughs> Out of the bag, I just hauled out a Annabelle's Rocky Road. It says right on it, quality guaranteed, simply the best. Milk chocolate coated marshmallow with cashews. Oh, I love the Rocky Road. That sounds decent. I haven't Dude, had you one. Dude, you got a, is it a full-size Rocky Road? Yeah, like it's it a brick of marshmallow yeah. and everything? Is that what it is? Oh, holy shit. I don't think I've ever had one. Oh, they're good. I got peanut M&Ms. Wow, that's like. My life is hell. Totally marshmallowy. Yeah. It's like eating a peep dipped in chocolate <laughs> it's like eating a peep brick all right so i'm gonna finish eating this i have pumpkin and why don't you tell us what pisses you off you know what pisses me off everything pisses me off but uh i won't go into it too deeply because i, I still don't understand what's going on with me but apparently i'm going deaf in one ear and what? so i've yeah very funny <laughs> So I've had to go to my audiologist. I have it like I have my audiologist. I have to go to the audiologist's office, and the receptionist working at the audiologist is a very soft-spoken, timid young woman, and so she is constantly being bellowed at by a bunch of deaf people like me. Like what? What? <laughs> Just 
It pisses me off. Who hires a quiet person to run the front desk at a place that is frequented by people who are hard of hearing? <laughs> pisses me off. It also pisses me off that I'm going deaf in one ear, but... Right, yeah. But at least, you know, you won't hurt your ears when you scream, Get off my lawn! <laughs> Damn kids! Damn dirty ape children! <laughs> Oh, yeah, pretty dude. much everything pisses me off right now. Dude, I'm sick. You... Got it. I'm deaf in one ear. Dude, I don't have candy as good as you. You have no idea. I've got all kinds of shit that pisses me off. Okay, so last week in the news, you ever see like a news article that immediately pisses you off the second you see it? Yeah, that's why I started doing this this political thing. Well, you did that because I kind of goaded you into it. Well, that, that's yeah. neither here nor there. Anyway, I see this headline that says. Insurance companies warn reform will only cause prices to increase. And I just think, wait a minute. You're already fucking me up the ass. And then it's going to be worse if they try to prevent you from fucking me up the ass? Is that the deal? I don't quite understand how that works. Because I I started thinking about it. Okay, now, you know, there's different insurances that we all have to pay. But auto insurance is the one that immediately comes to mind. Now, Mm -hmm. I took a look at things. I've been paying auto insurance since I was 18 years old. So figuring it out, I've paid roughly $30,000 to the insurance companies over the years for auto insurance. Do you know what I've gotten back for that thirty grand? Two two fucking windshields. (laughs) That's it? Really? Yeah, which I costed that out is about 600 bucks. So the well, the, the I've insurance got a, I've have, have a dozen windshields. They've you know the insurance companies have lobbies in place to, where they've got laws passed where we have to have insurance, and then they stick it to us. I gotta say I'm happy with my car insurance. I know I have paid a bunch of money throughout my life for the car insurance, but you know I've got a I've got a one million dollar liability policy. I mean I can I can <laughs> do a million dollars of damage. To whatever. So you could jump it like off a mall parking lot into a swimming pool. I can do some pretty serious damage. And just knowing I got that in my back pocket if I ever decide to go nuts, I like it. Well, you're losing your hearing, so you might as well do something crazy. What? <laughs> okay, what else pisses me off? You guys have this, uh, this company that teaches you how to drive down there called Swerve? <laughs> no. That's like a company that teaches you how to fuck called premature ejaculate. <laughs> what is that? <laughs> a very good point. So this company, Swerve, for some reason has picked my street where their student drivers will learn to parallel park and turn around, do three-point turns. But not just my street, in front of my house. Oh, that sucks. <laughs> and so they're constantly, every single day, if I'm sitting watching TV in my living room, I see light shining in my living room at some point. I go look out the window, who's here? And it's Swerve turning around. Do you not own a BB gun? They're always, like, just barely missing my truck, which is parked on the street. It totally pisses me off, and I haven't said anything yet. Because what am I going to say? It's a public street. You know, to what extent can I even bitch about it? But there's lots of street here, people. Why can't you, you know, go up the street and turn around there? Some sometimes even. You can so, say what William Shatner says in his duet with uh, with Henry Rollins. You know, why are you learning to drive on a public street? Why are you putting my life in danger? Find a parking <laughs> lot. That's, That's what he says. Yeah. Okay. And the last thing that pisses me off. 
So the the community where I work, and I'm not going to say the name because I don't want people coming after me. They've got the new cop cars. You know the new cop cars? They have those no. in Davis yet. They're like Ford Mustangs or something, and they're all souped up with little spoilers on them, and they're painted fancy. Well, in the town where I work, in, in Redmond here where I live, they're blue and white and silver. They're very snazzy. The ones down where I work in that particular community look like Al Davis's personal security force. They're black, completely pitch black, with silver writing on the side that says, like, police. <laughs> it looks like the OCP from, from RoboCop or something. <laughs> and, you know, I see these cars, and they, they look threatening. That You start thinking, you know, billy club penetration when you see these cars. It, I don't think protect and serve. It actually makes me kind of fearful. And you know, is that what that we want to teach better, our kids? Though, is that the... no? I, that is it. Yeah, our kids aren't supposed to see the police pull up and be afraid of them. They're supposed to yeah, think, they "Oh, there's the police. They're going to help us out." No, they, you need to fear the cops. No, you don't. Those police are fucking scary. I, I, <laughs> I don't like those police cars, man. You know what? I don't like those are police cars that they're all beige and tan and look like nothing. And all of a sudden, all the lights come on, and oh, guess what? That nondescript car you ignored is giving you a speeding ticket. Well, yeah, but what was wrong with the black and white? Just paint it black and white. Everybody knows that a black and white car is a cop car. It doesn't have to look like it belongs in NASCAR or in Al Davis's parking lot. <laughs> fuck the Raiders. Have I said that recently? No, you haven't, but it can't be said enough. Yeah, fuck the Raiders. All right, that's all I've got that pisses me off. Tonight. All right. You're kind of pissed tonight. Kind I'm of pissed. Bit, I'm a little bit pissed. I got my candy on. Yeah. yeah is it time for another candy? <laughs> Not quite yet. Oh, man. All right. <laughs> you got a political rant? You know, I had several political rants fighting for attention, and I'm going to go back to the original one that I thought of two weeks ago or whatever when it when it actually happened. Even though everyone else has said it, I'm going to say it too. A Nobel Peace Prize for Obama? Really? Really? I mean, dude, he's a symbol of, of things changing and things not going in a bad way, but... Dude, let's give the peace prize to someone who actually did something. I, I, you know who's done more for peace than Obama? And that would be the United States Marine Corps. Because you know when they show up, you better you better chill out, or there's give, they're going to enforce some peace on your ass. Let's give them a peace prize, or, or just your basic neighborhood people that have made life better. God, there's it's got to go to someone who did something. That should be the new rule. It can't go to somebody for just. It can't go to Yasser Arafat just because he shook hands with someone who was Jewish. It can't go to Obama <laughs> just for not being George Bush. That's the new rule. That's if you don't a... like it, I want the Nobel Committee to feel free to give me a call anytime. We'll discuss this. Cool. Short and sweet. That's right. I'm, I'm, in, I'm trying for more short and sweet. Uh, next podcast, I got a couple just fast, short and sweet rants. I think that's better. I think it's a better way to influence society and the world and still vent is just to give people little digestible sound bites. Start making people think, and it hurts. <laughs> All right. Well, let's see if you can make a sound bite out of this week's Just Ask Gord. Oh, Jesus. Okay. Okay. I'm going to... Wait. You know what? We should, we should remind the listeners that I have not heard this question or these questions ahead of time, and I have no... no. I'm not Googling anything. This is all out of my own ass. Hey, Gord. How's it going? It's Jorge. I just got finished taking a piss, and boy, it was a nasty one. I'm assuming it was probably because of the asparagus I just ate. Get its way, kick it in there, you know? Why is that? Why 
do the gods punish us with a wretched urine for indulging in such a tasty, tasty treat like asparagus? Wow, that's a great question, Jorge. And I think what we really need to do is look at this word and and look look at the, write the word down. Aspare a gas. So what do you see in that word? You see the word gas. And if you've ever had bad gas, you know it's stinky, it's smelly, it's it's nasty stuff. Gasoline comes from oil. It's a it's a crude black substance beneath the earth, and it has one property that often goes undiscussed, and that is it makes everyone who possesses it evil. And that's why asparagus <laughs> makes your piss stink. So asparagus is essentially a petroleum product? That's right. Asparagus is made out of petroleum, and that's why it stinks. All right. Thank you, Gord. But you didn't and know I was a botanist, huh? I, I had no idea. And thank you, Jorge, for the call. We appreciate it. Thanks, Jorge. Yeah. Uh, speaking of calls, we've got a little bit of feedback from uh, our last couple of episodes, so uh, I'll play that now. Our first call is from our friend Jay Emmett from the Obscure 80s Rewind Show. I really know what the F to say. But I called anyway. Hey, guys, it's Jay. You know me. Uh, actually, I enjoyed the show, the last episode. Um, Nickel Slot, man. I'm not going to go to their website because, well, it hurts my fingers to type that much. But seriously, I'm not a fan of country music, but if country music sounded like that, I would listen to it. Uh, I was finding it very entertaining. Now, one must forgive my snot-filled voice. Um, as you can tell, I have had... Uh, major congestion going on for like a week my daughter actually had h1n1 that's right and she's still alive i know because you know that's what pisses me off when i talk about freaking media jumping on shit like h1n1 and, and acting like it's the new plague and everybody's gonna freaking die uh when all it is is another strain of the damn flu so stop freaking out about it you damn pansies anyway guys love you guys the show cracked up you know i've been listening and there's always been this thing about your show, and I don't take this wrong, but there's always been something about your show I enjoyed, and I couldn't quite put my finger on it. And uh, it was this week, while I'm listening, I don't even remember what the hell you guys were talking about when it hit me, but it suddenly it dawned on me. I started laughing, and, uh, you know, and it wasn't one of those guttural laughs like, you know, some comedian just said the funniest damn thing I've ever heard. No, I just, I, you know, just sort of started laughing a little, like, hey, that's pretty funny, and that's something I would say or something one of my friends would say. And that's when it hit me. Everybody always says about podcasts, you know, oh, I love this show because it's like hanging out with friends. Well, when I listen to you guys and the way you guys do interact with each other, because I get the impression, you know, you guys have been friends for a while and you don't really live around each other. I mean, sort of, but not really. So, you know, once every couple of weeks, you guys get together and you just sort of have a conversation and it's like you decided one day hey wouldn't it be funny if we recorded this now i'm wondering if that's what really happened or not but it is pretty much like just hanging out with a couple of guys and the shit you guys say is just funny and it's not it's not thought out funny it's just randomly funny shit anyway i enjoy the show keep it up watch out for those vegetarians you know because now they're going to be after you you guys done started some shit with the uh, herbivores so watch your asses they're not going to eat you, but they might throw chunks of tofu at your skull or something. I don't know. Doesn't tofu come in bricks? I don't know. Anyway, guys, keep it up. Love you guys. Uh, and we'll keep listening, and we'll keep plugging you guys. Oh, and we'll also, you know, play your promos from time to time. 
All right, guys. Talk to you later. Bye. Wow. Well, that's kind of a nice compliment. I mean, one of the nicest compliments I think you could say about the show is that it's like hanging out with friends or, you know, something like that. So Thanks. He made it sound more like it was like hanging out with people who are friends with each other, but not necessarily with him. <laughs> <laughs> Which would be true. <laughs> <laughs> that's harsh, dude. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Thanks for the call, Jay. Yeah, and oh, to answer his question, uh, how did we start the show for uh, people who have just joined us? Now, wait, did he really ask the question, or did he just sort of muse about how it may have started? Well, why would he bring it up? Because he kind of said, you know, it, it kind of seemed how that happened. Is that how it happened? We were playing okay. Halo, and we were bagging on each other like we normally do, and one of us said, hey, we should record this. This is pretty funny. So. Yeah, we, well, I think we said something like, something to that effect that we were funnier than anything that was on the air at that point anyway and boy if we could just put this in a bottle we'd really have something i guess it really goes to show you though you go back and listen to it we're not nearly as funny as we think we are no <laughs> we never are well i i wonder you know when did you come down with when did you start feeling bad was it about the same time i emailed you his email <laughs> it might have been you might I have think- gotten the h1n1 from jay emmett's voicemail wouldn't that be ironic if this was like the last thing I did before I perished from H1N1 and it's a podcast where a talk, where one of our <laughs> listeners tells us that H1N1 really isn't that bad. That would be that would be irony. I would all you know, I hope it's not my time, but that would be kind of a cool way to go. Actually though, my daughter did have H1N1 last week and she is fine now. So if that is what you have, I'm not a doctor. But if that is what if that is what you have, uh, yeah, I think you're gonna be fine. No, I and as far as and as far as the as far as the vegetarians are concerned, I'm not scared of them. Oh man, let's let's quit picking on the vegetarian. <laughs> you know, we gotta we gotta back off on the vegetarians and back off on the whole dead girl thing and just just move on with our lives. Jesus Christ! Oh, fu- funny you should mention dead girl because we have some feedback on that as well. Holy Christ! Yo, Steve Gord, this is Mike uh, Cadaverlap, Mike, just in case you guys don't know what I'm talking about. But what I'm going to talk about, oh, by the way, I'm, I'm talking on my phone without a Bluetooth headset or anything like that, because apparently it's still legal here. In fact, I don't know if it is or not, but hopefully it is, or else I'm going to get busted. Anyhow, uh, you guys were talking about the Olympics. Let me just, uh, let me explain to you what, what the worst thing about having the Olympics here is. Yeah, everything was tore up. It was a pain in the in the ball to get around anywhere for the for, for the you know the year or so before the Olympics came. We did get a lot of nice attract. Uh, you know, I mean, we had we got a giant library. We got a bunch of new. Uh, for instance, we got a nice, a really nice hockey and ice rink right by my house. It was really nice. But uh, you know what the worst thing about the damn Olympics were? It was the fact that everybody and their freaking dog in Salt Lake City was so excited for the Olympics. And everyone was wearing those stupid-ass Olympic hats, like the berets, I guess they were. Everybody was so in the Olympic spirit. I just, I, I just walked around pissed off constantly because everybody was being a dildo about it. Anyway, that's the worst thing. Yeah, but I'm with you, Lord. I can't stand watching the Olympics because you get two minutes of sports for 20 minutes of inspirational stories that make me want to kick someone in the nuts. Anyways, talk to you later. Bye. I'm sorry about that. He, he uh, sent us two voicemails this week. Uh, I guess the second one's about that girl. But uh, so on the subject of the Olympics, <laughs> I guess you're you're right. The, the Olympics are a pain in the balls. Damn. And you know what? Obama listened to the podcast and he he sandbagged the Olympics. And, uh, you know, we don't have to have them here. They're going to have in uh, in South America. He, so thank you, Obama. 
He squashed I mean, that shit. As soon as I he, mean, he went, he showed up. He, he made the appearance of trying to bring in the Olympics, but when they got behind closed doors, you're like, dude, no, Gord says no Olympics. So. <laughs> I confess that because, you know, I ran track and field in high school, I sort of have an interest in watching some of those sports. If I ever got the opportunity to, you know, watch the 800-meter Olympic finals, that might be kind of cool. But, you know, it seems like a big lifestyle change to have to get into buying all those little pins to put on your shirt and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, the problem with the Olympics is I, I, too, ran, although not nearly as successfully as you. Oh, God damn it. What? Oh, dude. Seriously, I just, you know what? We're doing this. We're, we're not stopping the podcast for this disaster, but I'm sick and I don't have beer. And now I caused my pen to explode all over my hand. I've got ink all over my candy eating hand. God damn it. Let's That's see. it. I'm going for almond joy because <laughs> I hate almond joy. And maybe I'll just wipe the, the ink off on the chocolate, crappy milk chocolate. But hold on. Oh, fuck. All right. That's awful. Who puts coconut in candy? <laughs> it's Jesus. not the taste, it's the consistency. Oh, it's awful. It's like little. It's, it is a taste. <laughs> I got chocolate in the nose of my skull ring that I was wearing. How did that happen? <laughs> this, this show has completely come off the rails. <laughs> well, we better go to another voicemail then. All right. It's obvious I'm listening to your episode and calling about every subject that I come up to. Uh, this is Mike again. Basically, right after the uh, you guys talked about vegetarians and whatnot, which I'm not going to put my two cents in about, what I want to put my two cents in about is Dead Girl and how Gord said he didn't like it because um, he saw, thought that uh, rape and, and kind of, he just basically said that they that, that was just the default position. Now, I'm not saying that you have to like that movie or anything, but I, I really like that movie. But I think that that, the, 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 what you were explaining and how that's the, the default position, I think that's one of the things that made it so bleak because I think it's obvious well, I mean, in my life, it's obvious that it's not, that that's not what it is. And for these kids to just take that stance right off at the beginning, I mean, that started off, that that was one of the most disturbing things in, in the whole movie for me. It was it was where these kids' mindsets were and, and how willing they were just to cross over that line of uh, basically having, you know, no moral compass or anything like that. But anyway, I mean, that's that, that was one of the most shocking things to me is, is those guys' willingness to... To engage in what they were engaging in. Anyways, uh, so that's exactly where I am in your show. We'll see if uh, we'll see if I, you know I probably won't call again. Two two in a row is making me really look pathetic. Bye. So wow, dead girl once again. Uh, dead girl vegetarians. Circle. We should change the name of the show to the Dead Girl Vegetarian <laughs> Show. <laughs> that's pretty good. So clearly, JT in that film was in many ways the monster because yeah. because he took to that mindset so quickly now I, I I disagree to the extent that that rape was the default position of every character in the film that wasn't the case that was the character that was the case for JT it's a case for the jocks and the there's a case for everyone except the zombie no it wasn't the case for the jocks the jocks kind of got talked into it because their pride got made fun of which yeah, was yeah, yeah. I don't know it seemed like they were I don't know that, you, you, that scene could be argued either way, I guess. Because right. they were like, oh, yeah, she's into rough sex. And... Do we have to keep talking about this goddamn terrible fucking no, movie? No, no, we don't. We can, we can put okay. this to bed. One thing, though, that I did want to bring to your attention. 
uh, Brother D from the Mail Order Zombie podcast. We had an interview with uh, Trent Haga, and we had, t- we had talked about the list a little bit in email. Uh, Trent Haga, who's the writer of Dead Girl, and he, he, what he had to say was this. Fundamentally, the movie is completely more about misanthropy and my disbelief in the goodness of mankind. It's not so much about women hate. It's about teenage boy hate. I was trying to present what I thought was a realistic attitude about a certain strata of our population who are misogynistic. That doesn't make me misogynistic, and I don't think that the film is misogynistic. I mean, it's not for purient reasons that we do this. Myself nor the filmmakers were trying to turn people on by this. It's really disturbing, and the movie is disturbing, and it does make you uncomfortable, and that was the idea. But what's really interesting is that I find that men get more offended at it than women do, and women seem to really get it. I think that women live in a world where they are marginalized and they are objectified, so when they see it, they understand it. And I think that men want to deny the fact that they objectify women, so when it's thrust in their face like this, they get really indignant about it. The reactions are all over the place, and that to me is a sign that we've all gotten together and created something that can truly be considered somewhat of a piece of art. <laughs> well, you call it somewhat of a piece of something. <laughs> Not somewhat. It is. It is. But nice does to that hit close to home? That. Does that hit close to home? Do you feel like you got so pissed because you objectify women more than I do? No, no. I think that I, I readily admit that I, I objectify women. I love to look at women, and uh, when you when you admire a woman just because of the way she looks, you are in a way objectifying her. But I don't like the idea that everyone. In that movie, it just seemed like they didn't even give a second thought to abusing women. Oh, God, are we still talking about this fucking movie? We've given the <laughs> worst movie I've ever seen in my life so much press. I can't believe it. When you take a look at it, though, a lot of the, the horror movie community have embraced this film. And so, you know, that's why it keeps coming up, because many of our friends are uh, your horror movie podcasters. Yeah, dude. Wouldn't you know, that make sense did, that they would that they earth. would look they would look you know insightfully into it, and they do this about everything, and I respect that, and I enjoy listening to their shows. So I we're, we're done the with angry emails. We're going to get where people are going to say, "See, Gore uh, admits that he objectifies women." Uh, that'll be next <laughs> week. Well, we're done with that girl. It's officially off the books. We will not discuss it anymore. So. All right, and I officially love women. So and, there. <laughs> me too. Women are good. Women. Women are proof of God. That's like, God made women on a, a really good, he was having a, he was on his game that day. No shit. Thanks again to Mike for calling. Uh, you can find his stuff at cadaverlab.com. And cadaverlab.com, because he called twice. <laughs> so speaking of awesome women, why don't we check out a tune from The Creep Show? Yeah, Sarah Sin. Sarah Sin, the vocalist and guitarist of The Creep Show, is featured on this tune. It's called... Actually, she's not. <laughs> Interestingly, <laughs> it just dawned on me. This uh, this song is from their first album, which is uh, called Sell Your Soul, which is actually her sister, uh, Jen Hellcat, who was the original singer of The Creep Show. And Sarah actually devoured her in her sleep because she was jealous and took the band over. Sweet. Jen Hellcat. Was Sarah asleep when she devoured, or was was her sister? No, I, I'm kidding, of course. Jen Hellcat actually uh, decided to leave the band in order to become a mother, and uh, her younger sister, uh, Sarah Sin, jumped into the breach, as it were, no pun intended, <laughs> and uh, took on the uh, mantle of lead vocalist of the Creep Show. So let's yeah, check kind of this an out. Boingo situation. This is Creatures of the Night. Into the darkness, if you dare, to walk amidst the sleeping air, where ghouls be seen and ghosts be near, beyond the gates of hell you fear, 
Their hide and shadows lie in wait. A bitter end will be your fate when shocking terrors come to sight. These are the creatures of the night. Listeners, this is Ken Foray. Make sure you tune in to the Bone Bat Show, the greatest show in horror. Take it from me. And there you go. That is The Creep Show. And joining me now is Sarah Sin Blackwood, the vocalist and guitarist for The Creep Show. How you doing, Sarah? I'm good. Thank you so much. very mu- good. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us on The Bone Bat Show. No problem. It's very interesting Skyping with somebody other than my family on the road <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's that's how my partner and i do this show so it, it works for free, us most right? of the time. it's free so it's absolutely great. yeah so tell me the story about the creep show how'd you guys get started well it all kind of started for fun you know a bunch of musicians kind of at a different places and different bands we just kind of wanted to do something and, and you guys are based in burlington ontario yeah kind of now we 
we all pretty much live in Toronto oh, okay. or just outside of. But uh, yeah, some of us from Burlington, Oakville, and then like Toronto. But yeah, we just started kind of like for fun, wanting to play shows on the weekends for some free drinks and some good times <laughs> or whatever, you know? <laughs> and surprisingly, just like people got interested really fast. And yeah, from there, I mean, uh, put out an album and got signed and, and was able to do a couple of tours. And just from there, it escalated to the point where we're all kind of like, how did we go from wanting to do this for free beer and parties on the weekend to it being our full-time job? <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's a shock, but it's good. It's awesome. That's cool. So were you all o- always horror fans, or how did you decide on taking that angle with your music? That was more for the fun of it, because uh-huh. you can do so much, you know, like you can be a serious fan, and you can sing about serious things, and you can take really serious press shots and whatever, but we're kind of like kids, you know, and, and, and like all been in that seriousness before and didn't want to do that, so having a some kind of a fun theme behind your music it, it, it just makes it more exciting and it makes it more fun and it gives you cool ideas for shows and stuff like that we really wanted to be kind of a show band too you know right. like have really good songs but have smoke machines and lights and banners and stuff you know well i understand so, you guys have a huge reputation as a live act but you really put on a great show that is really great. Like uh, every time I hear that, I because I'm always really like, you guys, we gotta, we gotta pick it up a notch. We gotta get this and we gotta get that. And the guys are like, yeah, I know, but like, our show's okay, blah blah blah. I'm always <laughs> like, no, we have to do. We have to get this and this and this. And then like lots of people will say like, your show is really amazing. So that actually makes me feel really good because I'm nervous all the time that we're not doing enough entertain or we're not like moving enough or doing you know whatever mm-hmm. but thank you <laughs> well and you you've definitely been touring your asses off this year haven't you you just got back from europe yeah and you're doing yeah. uh, the u.s in october and then canada in november correct yeah i actually figured it out um because we have had a few weeks off so i'm kind of going crazy <laughs> <laughs> And I did actually figure out we have been on tour out of the span of a year. It was nine and a half months being on the road. So, yeah, we tour a lot. But, I mean, that's how you are able to live and do this, right? Like, you can either get a billion dollars from a huge record label and literally sell your soul, or you can do it this way and do it as a full-time job and have fun and still get to be who you are, you know? Absolutely. (laughs) You know, it being the time of year, it kind of it just struck me today when I was thinking about it that, you know, touring's a lot like trick or treating, isn't it? You go town to town, <laughs> and you you may get hit the house that gives out the whole candy bars, right? So you sell a shitload of merch, and the fans know all your songs, and the place is packed. Or you get the apple with the razor blade in it. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. That's a really really good metaphor or analogy or whatever. That's great. It really is like trick or treating. And, like, now it's getting better, but we're really proud that we did it this way because we didn't want to just give ourselves away to the first person with a checkbook, you know? Absolutely. It's way more gratifying to know what you've done and to know that you've worked your ass off, like, literally to to the bone for the results which are now starting to happen. And it also keeps our heads small, and we know that it might only last a certain amount of time, you know? So Mm. whatever, we just go day by day and... 
try to tour as much as possible. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, and you guys just signed to Hellcat Records, correct? We did. Who's the, the home of Rancid and a number of other very cool <laughs> bands. Yeah, that's smoking. I know. And well, the, like we're really, really, really excited about it. Because last year we played with Rancid in Toronto last August. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was like the best day of our lives, pretty much. <laughs> you know, this is a band we've all loved for like 12 years and grown up on and had the tapes, you know, and stuff. And after that show, our, our label was like, we're starting to talk to Hellcat, but we don't want you guys to get excited. But of course, we were like, we're going to find Hellcat. We're so excited. <laughs> <laughs> um, but a year went by, and it's been a year since then, since we actually got to announce it. And like all the deals went down and everything was signed and everything was said and done. So we're just like kids. We're like, oh my God. I'm like, I want him to sing on the next record. Like, <laughs> 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 you know, all this like little dreamy stuff. And we're really excited about it because. All of our labels now throughout the world that we have are all independent and they're all really, really great labels. I mean, we've only been with Hellcat for a few months officially, Mm. but, you know, I have a feeling that they're going to be really great and just kind of add to the family that we have, you know? So, Run For Your Life, that's going to be released October 27th, right? Yes. Oddly enough, I think it's the day we get back into Canada on this tour. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the last stop, Seattle, so I'll be there. Hey, wait a minute, where's the CD? Yeah, so but I think we're gonna we're gonna get some for that tour because we're we're excited to get the actual CD with the Hellcat logo on it. (laughs) Well, that's that's great. Yeah, it's still have CDs. It's it's always been a a very important part of our show that we feature independent music and we always like to support you guys because we want bands like you to be there for us. You know, that's where the original music is being created. It's not from big labels. It's it's from the little guys that are out pounding the pavement. And so, you know, getting out and seeing shows and picking up a little bit of merch and, you know, supporting the bands, that's super important. So Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. So where will you be able to purchase uh, Run For Your Life? Uh, You can purchase it. From Interpunk now. Interpunk.com. Um, and that, you know, now that it's with Hellcat, any any stores that they distribute to, you can get it at too. Or come to the shows and buy it at the show. <laughs> I mean, for us, that's always the most beneficial anyway. <laughs> you bet. But yeah, we're just happy to have it out in the States now. Interpunk's been helping us out by selling it through them and it's nice now to have more resources for people you know who can't order online so they don't have a credit card or you know whatever well yeah that's that's perfect yeah so we're we're getting close to halloween here this is our halloween episode we've been talking a little bit about haunted houses tonight now would you have any haunted house experiences that you would like to share with our listeners I've been to quite a few haunted houses. None of them had ever really been like that memorable or actually scary. It was a lot of directed for younger kids. So when you go when you're older, it's like, oh, it's that guy and he's standing there, whatever, you know? Kind of stick your hand in the bowl of grapes. Yeah, exactly. You're like, ooh, (laughs) this is so scary. It sucks that you had to peel all these grapes for this, you know? But uh, I think it was not last year, but the year before. There's a company based out of Toronto called Playdead. I don't know if you've ever heard of them, but a bunch of yeah, they're really cool. Um, They do like a lot of clothing. They do a lot of artwork and stuff like that. And every year they put on 
like some kind of a haunted house. They have a warehouse in Toronto. And a couple of years ago when we were actually here for Halloween, I got to go and it was actually really, really terrifying. I actually screamed a few times and like <laughs> felt like I was in one of those movies where like, people are watching and they're like, the guy's right behind you, turn around, oh God, you know? <laughs> so definitely like they did a wicked, wicked haunted house. <laughs> well, that's great. All right. So what's coming up next for you guys? Well, we have this U.S. and Canadian run coming up. Mm-hmm. And then I'm actually going off to Europe to do a solo tour for a few weeks. Yeah, you have a solo album out as well, correct? I do. I have a solo album out called Way Back Home. It's kind of like old country, like Johnny Cash meets Mike Ness-ish kind of acoustic stuff. Yeah, and it also kind of reminded me also of some of the stuff that Eddie Spaghetti from the Super Suckers is doing right now. Oh, cool. Yeah. Right on. I checked it out a little bit. And good yeah. stuff. So I'm, I'm going to go off and do that um, because I haven't had the chance to. And I said to the guys, and we've been touring a lot and everything, and I really want to do another. I did a solo tour last year, and I was like, I really want to do one more tour for this album mm-hmm. in Europe. So this was the perfect time. So I'm going to go and do that, and then we are going to go. We're going to come back into the States a lot more because we can. We really want to, you know, hit a lot more places, maybe in the East Coast, like New York and Boston, and maybe Florida, because our winters are cold. <laughs> <laughs> That makes a um, lot of sense. Yeah, and then we're going to head over to Australia and uh, do Soundwave Festival over there and hopefully go to Japan because it's a ridiculous flight over there. So if we're going to go to Australia, we want to get Japan in there too. Yeah, since you're going to be there. Because they're so close together, you know. <laughs> and then a bunch more U.S. dates, more Canadian dates, and then a new record. All right. Well, we'll be looking yeah. forward to that, definitely. Yeah, you started talking about it. I don't even know if I'm allowed to say that, but... <laughs> so you I'm haven't excited. started seriously writing it yet? Not seriously, okay. no. Because Run For Your Life's been out for just over a year, in, mm. I mean, in Canada and Europe, and it's gone by so fast. When they mentioned, like, third album, I was, what? We just <laughs> finished Run For Your Life, like, yesterday. <laughs> but now I'm, you know, I'm excited because the thought of writing is really kind of invigorating. I kind of imagine you guys all sitting together watching horror movies on your iPod and just cramming for the, ne- <laughs> the lyrics of the next disc. You know what? A lot of our lyrics, like, a lot of the lyrics are written out of real-life situations. For the most part, I wrote about a lot of stories that have happened to us on the road or stories that have happened, you know, in, in our lives or whatever. And mm. uh, the guys, their input for the lyric-wise, like, it's the same thing. It's all stories. So, like, we do write about, like, monsters and being chased by demons and whatever. But underlying that, it's actually a lot of real-life stuff. Like, we're pretty serious when it comes down to it. <laughs> Very cool. Well, we'll be looking forward to future stuff, and we're going to enjoy this one that we've got right now. Cool. Thank you. So, one last question. It wouldn't be the Bone Bat Show if I didn't ask you. What pisses you off? People that interrupt. (laughs) Oh, shit. Interrupters. (laughs) After I've been interrupting you for 15 minutes. (laughs) No, not at all. You haven't at all, because I don't have a little ball of fire in my stomach right now. No. (laughs) It, It drives me nuts. And I, I know I do it, but I try not to. And I know everyone does it, but yeah, like people who constantly interrupt drives me to the point where if I'm in a room and there's someone, if there's an interrupter in there, I will be like, I got to get out of here because I want to punch that person right now. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's my biggest, the biggest thing that pisses me off the most. <laughs> 
Yeah. Don't fucking interrupt me ever. <laughs> I've, I've learned my lesson, believe me. Very cool. Well, yeah. thank you again so much for joining us on the show. Uh, what song would you like to go out with? Um, You'll Come Crawling off of the Creep Show, Run For Your Life. Okay, here it is. Thanks again, Sarah. Thank you. You'll Come Crawling. I got the power, babe, to make your heart melt. Your weakness shines as you start screaming for help. I'll get you back and turn your world all inside out. You'll only waste your breath with every single scream and shout. This is Doug Jones, and you're listening to The Bone Bat Show. 
And that was You'll Come Crawling by The Creep Show. Awesome music. Thank you so much to Sarah Sin and the band. The band being Sean Sickboy McNabb on upright bass and backing vocals, the Reverend McGinty on keys and backing vocals, and Matt Pomade G on drums, along with Sarah Sin Blackwood on guitar and vocals. Uh, thanks so much again for uh, letting us use your music. You can find their CDs, uh, Sell Your Soul, off of Stereo Dynamite Records, and Run For Your Life, which is now on Hellcat Records, the home of the awesome Rancid. Yeah. Very cool. Uh, you can find their stuff on interpunk.com, who, which is always a great source for uh, cool music, punk, and otherwise. So uh, you can get their CDs there. Check it out. Oh, yeah, and actually, Sarah called back with a little addition to her What Pisses Her Off. Hey, this is Sarah from The Green Show Calling. I wanted to add, if you ask me what pisses me off, and aside from people that interrupt all the time, this is actually even with that one, is people that don't have any balls, like people who have never grown up and they can't um, man up to things that they've done or whatever and they make up little lies to get themselves out of things that drives me nuts yeah basically people who have no balls and can't be an adult about a situation and come out and confront people uh without having to make up little lies to make themselves look better anyway um cool okay bye so people with no balls yeah, wow. So I guess my friend One Nut Steve kind of like halfway piss her off. Probably so. He should call in. He should. I was wondering, though, how did she know about you? <laughs> yeah, you're really funny. Yeah, Not. I, guess, I guess I should save it for the filthy joke. Huh? Yeah, you are the filthy joke. <laughs> uh, are you ready for another treat review? Oh, yeah, I am. I hope it's some treat like chock full of penicillin and Tamiflu because I'm fucking <laughs> dying over here. Okay, well, first off, uh, my latest beer selection is from Witchwood Brewing called Hobgoblin Dark English Ale. <laughs> Let's give this a taste here. That's funny because you're, that, that's quite a bit like your oh. Halloween costume and your favorite pastime, Goblin Cock. <laughs> that's funny. That is a great band, though. <laughs> Have you seen yeah, that great album? Really, yeah, that album cover. I don't know about this one, man. It's kind of bitey, but it's pretty good. Does it have nutmeg in it? It's bitey like a hobgoblin. That's the best thing about it is it doesn't have nutmeg in it. Mm, the best yeah. thing about this is it doesn't taste like that last beer. <laughs> Not that that was, you know what? I bet you beer. a lot of people who dig pumpkin, that was probably the best pumpkin ale I've ever had. But I'm I just not a huge fan. But hey, I tried it. It's something new. All right, what's in the bag? What do you got, man? I got some, it's a big box of something. Oh, shit. It's a big box of shit? That's a treat. Somebody I mean, that's a, a trick. Somebody put a loose box of Charleston chews in here. I think I blame the kids. Okay, what's this? <laughs> hey, Christopher's Big Cherry. I like a big cherry. Ew. <laughs> Let's try it. Okay, this is a... Does, does it describe it? Whole Cherry Center. And it's like, uh, I don't know, chocolate with like Rice Krispies or something? Oh, it's like a Rice Krispie chocolate thing surrounding a cherry cordial type thing? Yeah, yeah. It's like a... No, it's chocolate nuts around the cherry. Oh. <laughs> That's pretty shitty. Yeah, I kind of hate those. <laughs> um, 
I don't think I'm gonna finish that one. Yeah, I don't blame you. I'm reaching over to my group of more mainstream candy, and I've got I've got a Nestle Crunch, which is milk chocolate with crisp rice. And Ooh, I happen to like these. You kind of got absolutely no coconut in this. You kind of got the straight up the ordinary stuff, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, I did. I don't have a, a wife that will buy me a bag of Exotica to uh, to nibble on my cube. <laughs> no, I have a wife who buy me a, a bag of bottom shelf candy. <laughs> so what next? Uh, I think it's time to uh, do our haunt tours. So this Halloween season, I toured three haunted attractions in the Seattle area. The first is Stalker Farms Field of Screams. The second is the Seattle House of Horrors in the Totem Lake Mall in Kirkland. And the third is the Dark Hollow Haunted Forest in Maple Valley. So I'm, we're going to cut away to that and listen to the sounds and chills of the haunt season. We'll come back and I'll give you my reviews. Field of Screams. Beyond lies the door to the Carnival of Carnage. Witness the fateful night when the Slasher family murdered Nick Fallon's traveling carnival and sideshow of human oddities. Then, try, just try, to escape through the cornfield where the Slashers await. No mercy, no refunds. The corn is watching, and we are waiting for your screams. tell you what I remember, even though I've done my best to forget it through the years. In my mind, you've got to start with the Slasher family and the feud they had going with the city. Slashers homesteaded the valley back in uh, 1820s sometime. Enormous family of mostly farming types. Though some of them helped start some of them businesses in the early days of the city of Snohomish, though. You've probably heard of Chuck Slasher, for example huge brother of the Slashers that lived down by the swamp. <clears throat> he was the first butcher, known throughout the area for his enormous size and, in my opinion, terrible flavored meats. No one seemed willing to start any businesses that would compete with the Slasher Eternal Field Mortuary, so they got all that sort of business in town as well. Despite all them Slashers, the farmland ended up going fallow. He took notice of their overgrown and untended fields and seized control of the land by city ordinance and leased it out to McFallon's traveling carnival and sideshow of human oddities. Well, the Slasher family resisted the presence of the carnival folk and all those freaks on what they strongly believed was still their land. There were threats, intimidation, You've probably seen the pictures of the severed heads of pigs on stakes that the Slashers staked out in front of the carnival in an effort to keep curious folks from coming into the show. And, and those crazy scarecrows, 
McPhailin wasn't no angel either. The way McPhailin treated those poor, deformed, sideshow people just wasn't right. Keeping them in cages, beating them like animals, experimenting on them, making them into savages and geeks. Just ain't right. Funny how I remember some things very clearly. Uh, the organ music, that misty valley fog. People speculated that the two huge slasher twins were at the heart of it. I don't know what became of the real clowns, but it's said that the clowns on that horrific evening weren't clowns at all. Rather, they were angry, vindictive maniacs with only revenge and blood on their mind. As if their brutal attack wasn't enough, the slashers saw to it to set the big top ablaze. I saw shadows of swinging, struggling, splatters of blood, terrible screaming, panicked audience members crawling all over each other to, only to learn that the exit had been locked tight. I don't regret letting loose all those freaks who were locked up and caged in the sideshow. If I hadn't done that, they'd They'd have been burnt alive in the fires that were set to the big top. I rescued them. But you'd never know it if you see how they behave. Screaming. Splattering. The worrying of some early chainsaw-like device with clattering teeth. Again, it was just luck that I survived. I'm here to tell you what I know. So we ordered a full moon for you tonight. Oh, yeah, it's I know. I, I, was gonna, I, was gonna <laughs> I couldn't be better for the haunt. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So how long have you guys been doing the haunt out here? Well, my wife and I moved back from San Francisco about 12 years ago. We, we kind of grew out of the market, and we started the corn maze and a pumpkin patch. And it was about 10 years ago that we started to uh, get the idea of you know, like doing something in the maze at night to haunt it a little bit. And so we, um, we put a couple of kids into, like, gorilla costumes, right. and we had them just out in the middle of this 10-acre maze. Well, it didn't take too long for people to figure out that there was a monster in the field, right? <laughs> and uh, it went from this kind of just this random, let's just see what happens if you encounter them, mm -hmm. to, well, where's the monster? I hear your field's haunted. <laughs> <laughs> and pretty soon, it went from being... That he was out there to scare a couple people to where he was being chased, right? <laughs> because people were like just hungry for this. Where's the monster? And they were like, they'd hear some screams and everyone would go crashing through the corn to go find him. So clearly you needed more monsters. We needed more monsters and we needed to concentrate him into a smaller space. Mm -hmm. And so we went from haunting the maze, which was is this random bunch of trails, to we've created the field of screams. And the field of screams now is like an acre and a half of corn with about a third of a mile of trail, wow. rather than 10 acres of corn with two miles of trail. Mm -hmm. And now instead of having a handful of actors, we have, you know, tonight the staff is around 29 wow. in, in, this, in this field that we're gonna turn you into. Um, so we've created essentially a haunted house in corn. And what, what better way to scare people then let them scare themselves from the environmental oh, yeah. input. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You know, everyone knows that the best haunted houses are heavily decorated and have a lot of character and creepiness built into them. Oh, yeah. You know, they're an old insane, insane asylum or they're, you know, like they're a mental hospital, right? Or they're made out of a prison or they're made out of something that has some history. Well, 
the cornfield's kind of creepy in itself, you know. Yeah. You get the sun setting, you get the shadows starting to lurk in. We'll get some natural fog out here as well as the man-made fog that we create. And it basically lets people kind of scare themselves. <laughs> but this is this is really what it's all about. You get a night like this, and uh, of course it's our opening night tonight, so the crowds aren't as heavy right at right at the opening. Yeah. Um, you, if you come out here that third weekend of the month, you know the crowds that are going through here are, are huge. And, and, but people are having fun. You know they come out for fun. It's you know going through a haunted attraction. It's sort of like people that are roller coaster junkies. Mm -hmm. It's about the adrenaline rush, right? Watch out for pumpkins. Pumpkins. So, Dan, the videos this year were fantastic. Thank you. You guys really did a good job on that. Yeah, that was a team effort. We got a lot of people on our team that are audio-video enthusiasts. Uh, a lot of us in the day work in the audio-video field, so we're really excited about horror movies and stuff like that. The one actor was just the mayor in Zombies of Mass Destruction, was he not? He absolutely was. That's what I thought. Yeah, I had hired him, and then afterwards they were doing makeup, and he says, you realize I was in ZMD, and I'm like... That's where I placed you. <laughs> yeah, we were, we were just at uh, the Revenant Film Festival. Yeah. And, we saw, and then I saw the video afterwards. I was like, that's the guy. That's the guy. <laughs> that was great. Very good. Pardone, is, it, is, it, is this at the end of the line here? Yes. It could be if you don't survive, yeah? Come on, I've got the room. Ed here, I've buried a good three or four times. He won't seem to stay down. I'm sorry, sir. <laughs> <laughs> If it comes back up, just send them to me in pieces. Whatever you find of them. It will do. <laughs> it's only a labyrinth. Yeah, I, I don't think... I'm not, I'm not going. I'm not going, Dad! How many? Two, three, four, five, six, seven. 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 <laughs> first. Oh, no. Yes, first. I'm not going first. Yes, you are. <laughs> Come on, move it, move it, move it, move it, move it, move it. No, 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 no. Come here. Don't you read? Move it. Come on.
Phone back, you guys all right? Yeah, that's why she said watch your head.
Hello, this is Michael with Ghost Ride Productions. You're listening to the Bone Bat Show.
just wanted to ask you guys what you thought of Seattle House of Horrors. Oh, I thought it was really good. It's a lot bigger than what it looks from the outside. It sure is, isn't it? Yeah, it and is. A lot of really good effects in there. Yeah. Some creepy stuff. Oh, yeah, it was. What'd like, you think? Pretty scary. Yeah. Oh, yeah, when I let go of him, he stopped. <laughs> he was brave when I was he holding was brave, on to him. He was brave, though. He got through it all right. Until <laughs> <good>. tonight. <laughs> How was Seattle's House of Horrors? I thought it was all right up until things started popping out that I got a little frightened. <laughs> Not gonna lie. Well, isn't that what you come for? Well, I was pretty nervous, so <laughs> yeah, I guess. But I don't know. They say it was a 10-minute thing, but I'm gonna tell you, it's a little bit longer than 10 minutes. <laughs> I was pretty scared. And I just wanted to know uh, what you thought of Seattle House of Horrors. <laughs> it was great. Worth it was worth every penny. It was really bad. No, it kept going and going, and I wanted it to be over. Yeah. Isn't it bigger than you expected? Yeah. Yes, it's it bigger. keeps going forever. Oh man. What was your favorite part? The end. <laughs> Being chased. <laughs> Being chased down the end. Yeah, chase. Very cool. well, thank you very much. Thank I appreciate you. Your time. Thank you. What's your name? David. Hi, David. Lillian. Nice to meet you. Uh, so, what do you guys think of Seattle House of Horrors? That was the best haunted house I've ever been to. Really? Yeah, it scared me. I've never been to a haunted house that scared me. That's awesome. Yeah, my heart rate still up. Yeah, that yeah. was good. What was the best part? Oh my! It's, uh, they just were masters of uh, diverting your eyes to where they shouldn't be, you know. And oh, <laughs> it's gonna come over there every time. They got you. Yeah. It was so a lot of good effects. Good, good surprises. And there was this yep. part where there's these dots in the room, and then this person was like pretending to be in the wall, and they had their, these dots on their hands, and they would jump out and go like that. Oh, great. It was yeah. really great cool. illusions. Yeah. Wait, is um, is he a part of like the thing? Yeah. Yeah. He's like a really good at acting as a as a zombie. Yes. Very cool. Yeah. Well, thanks for great taking special. a second to talk to me. Definitely worth the money. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Have a good night. Good night. This is Steve from the Bone Bat Show, and I'm here with Michael from Ghost Ride Productions uh, at the Seattle House of Horrors. I uh, just walked through the haunt, had a great time. Uh, so tell me what you do here, Michael. Well, we scare people. We're uh, open every night until uh, November 1st, and we'll be uh, uh, taking people through our House of Horrors, which is over 8,000 square feet of sc scares and chills. A lot bigger than I thought it was going to be yeah. when I got in there. Oh so tell me about Ghost Ride Productions a little bit. Well, we make uh, Halloween props and effects for the Halloween uh, industry and theme parks. We uh, operate all year round, and we can uh, supply any of your needs, uh, whether you're a home haunter or a full-size uh, production. So this is a pretty cool testing area for some of your products, no? Yeah, for years, I mean, we've been in business for over 10 years. For years, we've been testing with other people's haunted houses, and we actually started doing Universal Studios Hollywood's uh, haunted houses. Oh, we were, very cool. Yeah, we did the main props and uh, animations for those. So uh, now that we're up in here in Washington, we re relocated a couple of years ago. Uh, we now have the ability to have a uh, large uh, venue such as this. We have over 11,000 square feet of area that we actually get to build our, our haunt in, and uh, we have a lot of effects that we're either testing for next year or that we've had in the past and uh, we're using in our event so this is packed with lots of stuff cool how many actors do you have working tonight um our staff is about 20 right now um it, it's probably gonna um you know this since this is our first year we're kind of seeing how many we need and and what we want to um include but uh, we're probably gonna hover right around 20 for ops and for uh actors 
Cool. We had some definitely had some great effects in there. The uh, uh, kind of you know not an in-your-face effect, but the zombie room where they're watching TV <laughs> is terrifying. That is a great low-key effect. I just loved that. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, some of the best rooms are, are rooms where you just have a bunch of stuff and you're like, how do you how do you use it? And, yeah, and, and that's one of them. You just kind of stand there and take it all in when you walk in and then you have you've got some real old school scares so actors just working on you that you know around the next corner your sure. your hair is standing up on the back of your neck and you don't know what's coming next yeah we like we like the misdirection more than uh more than the uh you know in your face stuff we like more misdirection where you're like you think that that's fake and then all of a sudden it comes to life the polka dot room a prime example yeah 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 uh, you know that's that's the that's a, an example of how everybody, you know, puts all this money into animations and actors and everything. And we just did a kind of a little little twist on on the dot room itself. And you know, everybody comes out of here. I don't care how many chainsaws or animations you have; they all seem to remember that dot room. Yeah, it's a classic. Well, thank you very much for your time. Uh, everybody, come and check out the Seattle House of Horrors till November first at Totem Lake Mall. Very cool. Thanks. Go courageous one. So what did they say under no circumstances should we go into, Thad? The Move uh, Manor. In the movie manor? The Move. The Move Manor. Uh, are we going into it right now? Probably. I think we're going through here. Bloody werewolves. Uh-oh. No such thing as those bloody werewolves. They're scaring everybody out of my tavern. Oh, can't no. get a single visitor in here anymore. No such <laughs> thing as bloody werewolves. <laughs> Good job. Good no job, way. brave buddy. You did very good. good, Dad. This is the mummy's tomb, I think. Ooh. Display under construction. Curator's lab. No admittance. Look, there's a mummy laying right here. Several mummies. Anyway. That was awesome. Bye, mommy. Yeah. Okay, let's let Daddy go first. Okay, let Daddy Although go. Although people usually come from. You go in the middle. Hello. Hello. Welcome. Thank you. Move. Oh. 
<laughs> Welcome. Thank you. Enjoy your stay. Is this Mauvais Manor? It is. Lovely. <laughs> Kid vampires. Hi. That's I saw you on the way. Awesome. Hi. She's a vampire. Shh. She might suck your blood. Oh. It's scary. It will be. The only thing though is, I don't think that's a killer clown from outer space. Oh dear. Give it five. I saw you. Hi, Mr. Monkey. <laughs> <laughs> that was awesome. Two, nine, from eight, eleven, seven, nine, from. You want to join my crew? No, you. Come away. How much will you buy him for? <laughs> Don't taunt the monsters, man. You're going to make them more mean. That's not how you handle a haunt. <laughs> The Boo Hag Bayou. Hello. Hey, How are you feeling tonight? Very good. How's the haunt? It's very lovely. Any uh, good screams so far? None yet, but it's still family. The hour. night is young, isn't it? The night is, it is. Excellent. Carry on. Good job, gentlemen. Hey, he's going. <laughs> It's always something creepy about people singing nursery rhymes. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> I think it reaches you in a primal place. It's pitch black, but there's someone in the corner. Yes? I think she's a vampire. You don't have to talk to him, I'm telling you. Oh, it's the movie Family Crypt. Cute. I think we're not supposed to go here. I have failed. May God have mercy oh, on God your soul. So... That's it. Yeah. <gasps> you did good, but hey, come here, come here, come here. You did good, buddy. You were very brave. That was awesome. This is Steve, and uh, I'm here with a big group of folks who just walked the Dark Hollow Trail. How was it, guys? It wasn't scary. It wasn't scary. It was firecrackers. That was fun. But firecrackers, really? We talked yeah, they were. Wow. Like, Bang. That was a few. What was the scariest part? Yeah, that was about yeah. it. This lady, this lady was like, ew, a little one to me. Really? There was little tiny kids in there, too. Yeah, there was this one where little kids were like, Yeah. Very cool. Thanks a lot. This is Steve from the Bone Bat Show, and I'm here with Eric Tavares, the head ghoul wrangler of Dark Hollow Haunted Forest. How you doing, man? I'm hanging in. It's very wet, but it's uh, very spooky. So I've gone through the uh, first part. Uh, you guys have two trails now, correct? We do. It's, this is actually, uh, we made the unwise decision to uh, expand uh, exponentially this year to do two different <laughs> trails. Two different themes, 
Uh, and uh, so, yeah, that was it's been an adventure. So I've done the first half, which is Dark Hollow. So it's the vampire medieval. There's oh. werewolves. There's pirates. A lot of great stuff. Yeah, it's it's a very much a classic themed. I mean, it's uh, I have a, a real sick weakness for old Hammer horror films. You know, the old Christopher Lee, Peter Cushing movies. Yeah, which is you know, it's I, whether or not that's translated in this, I, I don't know. But uh, it is at least that's sort of the inspiration, kind of that old turn of the century. And versus uh, the Deadlands, very different. So this is the first year we've had Deadlands, and this is a dedicated zombie walk, right? It is. In fact, uh, if you go to the website at uh, darkhollowhaunt.com, there's a whole other website devoted to... Uh, Pandora Labs. And so it is uh, very strange and unusual things have been happening. They're, they're offering free tours, uh, but uh, yet, strangely enough, the shuttles aren't arriving, and uh, it's we're not seeing anybody coming out. And so as to what's going on there, we don't know. Interesting. Interesting. So how long have you guys been out here? So this is this is the culmination of two different events. Uh, this particular event, this is only year two. So uh, in many ways, uh, we're still just brand new. Uh, the, there are many people in this group that were involved with a, kind of a homegrown version of this, uh, just a, a traditional haunted forest for about seven to 12 years. Uh, myself and that group that I brought with me, now we got. Uh, I've been haunting since 1998. We had a show called Dark Hollow up in Everett, and then I was up in Sammamish and Nightmare Beaver Lake for three years. And then uh, with the two of the, that old group, and then our group got together and uh, we created this. Fantastic! So you guys will be working uh, weekends right up until Halloween, then? We are. We're actually open Thursday, Fridays, and Saturdays. And so this was our first, uh, despite the rain and the storms, our first opening weekend. And then for the next two weekends through Halloween, uh, we'll be hopefully up and going. Very cool. So you hear that, folks? Get in here and uh, check out Dark Hollow. So uh, let's go take a look at this Deadlands, huh, man? All right. Uh, I wish you the very best of luck. <laughs> Thank you. Welcome. My name is Holly, and I'm Public Relations Director here at Pandora Labs. This free tour is provided as a service to share with you exciting products that we create and to give you a glimpse at some of the top-secret projects that we're currently developing. At Pandora Labs, we know chemistry. We believe that nothing's impossible. It's all just a matter of how you rearrange the molecules. <laughs> a complimentary shuttle will soon whisk you away in comfort to our main facility. Please follow all instructions. Keep your hands to yourself, stay with your group, and don't wander into any areas that are not associated with the tour. If you stray, our on-site security have been granted permission to taser you. Please dispose of all food, drink, and other refuse in the proper container. And please, no flash photography or recording of any kind. Thank you. At Pandora Labs, we create the future. Through creative chemistry, we're working to keep you healthy and safe. That's our motto, helping the world one bigger at a time. Please prepare for the next available shuttle. Have a great tour. And thanks again for visiting Pandora Labs. Thank you. Have a great tour. Thank you. Alright, so go ahead, we're just gonna head to the right here. Okay. Why are you here? Uh, with Pandora Labs, a tour. We are here on a tour. Let's see. Sir, no for the tour. Come on, <laughs> gentlemen, get into the tent, please. Hey, <laughs> guys, go. Oh, what'd you do, man? 
Maybe we can take shelter in this building. Yeah, well, this is the, uh, let's see what it says here. Oh, the gas and go. It's like a local, uh, well, let's see what happens. Zombies! Uh -oh. oh, God, there's something behind me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. Just went through the Deadlands Trail. What did you think? Boys against? Uh, it well, was. It was good. good. Yeah. It was. It was. Um, I thought the old school scary was a little scarier. There was more stuff jumping out at you. Yes. Yeah. So it was a little scarier. Different, but it was fun. What did you think of the Deadlands vibe, though? Yeah. Creepy. Good. Yeah. <laughs> creepy. It's a different kind of creepy, huh? Yeah. What did you guys think? Realistic creepy. Yeah. I didn't do anything. No. Yeah, he was the poor soul chef in front of all of us. That's why I'm keeping calm and quiet. <laughs> Very cool. It was, it was neat. It was fun. All right. Well, thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Yeah. This is Steve from the Bone Bat Show, and uh, I'm here with Pat Wilson, Jacob Neer, Stacy. How'd you guys like the Dark Hollow Trail? It was good. Yeah. yeah? Oh yeah. What was the best part? Uh, it seemed to hurt scream. <laughs> Did you scream? Did they get you a little bit? Yeah, a little bit. Just a little bit. <laughs> Just a little bit. Awesome. What'd I'm with think? him. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks a lot, guys. I appreciate your time. What did you guys think of the depth? <laughs> you want to interview him? Okay, go ahead. 
Haunted Trail. It is pretty scary, man. Yeah? Uh, what was that, your favorite part? My favorite part is when this, when they're in the lab and they all started coming out and screaming at us. Wow. <laughs> yeah. The zombie's pretty awesome, huh? Oh man, they're crazy. <laughs> I wouldn't recommend anybody going through that. <laughs> <laughs> What'd you guys think? Oh man, it, it was about the time we saw the people just sitting on the porch, rocking, oh, and then all of a sudden, they're hungry, man. And they just started chasing us. And, oh, God. And they grabbed his shirt, man, and they wanted to eat him. It was horrible. It was horrible. Yeah. It was awesome. crazy, man. Very cool. Thanks a lot, guys. No problem. Have a good night. This is Lloyd Kaufman, president of Troma Entertainment and creator of The Toxic Avenger. You know, folks, when we're not making those great movies like Poultry Guys, Night of the Chicken Dead, and Terra Firmer, and Tromeo and Juliet, and The Toxic Avenger, the Troma team likes to kick back and, and listen to The Bone Bat Show because The Bone Bat Show is, is the best, the best entertainment that I know of. So that was our haunt tours for 2009. Uh, before I give you my final review on those, I'd like to welcome our special guest, Julie, the Ska Mama. Hello. Hey, Julie. Hey, what's up? My fever. Oh, do you have the swine flu? No, I have the... What do I have? I have poop fever. Because <laughs> yeah, I feel like poop and I have a fever. <laughs> I thought you got it from eating poop. No. <laughs> No, that's something That's else. one way to get it. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe licking your cat's butt. I don't know. So, <laughs> something else, too. So that's hey, the way to hey, get baby. Kitty Roca. <laughs> so, uh, hey, I, I really got to thank you for that big cherry. Mm. That, that, was <laughs> yeah, fucking, that was fucking horrible. What did, why, why would you do that to your husband? I thought you loved me. I don't know. I think I think I was mad at you that evening. Wasn't I mad at you about something? <laughs> no, you we were we were going to Zombie Land. We were getting along good. I know. I, I think I was annoyed or peeved about something, and you said, "Hey, go pick me out some candy." <laughs> I don't think that's <laughs> what happened okay. at all. This looks really messed up. I'm gonna get that one. Yeah. I, I, What's next, Abacrappa? <laughs> I don't even know. <laughs> she likes those, by the way. The Abacrappa. I like those too. Those are good. Million dollar bars and all that. I know what's left. Hey, now, why did they change the name of that from $100,000 bar to the 100 grand or whatever the crap they call it now? It's the same exact piece of candy. I don't know. Is it the same reason why Kentucky Fried Chicken changed KFC? That's because it's not actually actually chicken. It was false advertising. (laughs) Uh, Man, not even this cock goblin can wipe the big cherry out of my mouth. (laughs) (laughs) It's goblin cock. Getting it backwards. (laughs) I take it you don't like it? Okay, so... The Haunted Trail Review. No, um, no, no, Steve loves Goblin Cop. <laughs> so, you know, I kind of, you know, I, I didn't know what to expect doing this, this year because we did it uh, kind of a different way. Last year, Julie and I visited a couple of haunted trails. We did Bastyr University, which sucked. And we did Nightmare of Beaver Lake, which was good effects-wise but had problems with people flow through the attraction. This year, I actually kind of found that the three haunts that I tried were kind of all great in different ways. The Seattle House of Horrors is like a, a no-frills, high-startle haunt that 
it, it was, you know, the scariest haunt that I went to. I, I jumped probably a good five times in that haunt. And I'm a veteran of this kind of thing. So, you know, it takes a little bit to scare me. And some of them were, you know, slamming down the windows and screaming right in my ear. But it, it still got me going and got my heart pumping, definitely. So it was a good haunt. Um, Ghost Ride Productions, does, they do a great job with the effects. They had a lot of, like, mannequins that were really well made up. And some really neat rooms. Uh, as I mentioned in the interview, the zombie room where there were the dead bodies watching TV was really chilling. So I got to say, you know, check out Seattle House of Horrors if you want something that's no frills. I mean, you're not going to find a big storyline that goes through that, you know, that kind of tells a tale there. You're just going to find, you know, short, sharp scares. And if that's what you want to go for, that's great for it. Um, with Dark Hollow and the Deadlands Trail, you know, you get that's probably the best value. You get two trails for the price of one. And the Zombie Deadlands Trail contained my favorite moment of all the haunt tours this year. Uh, I don't want to spoil it for people. Just go check it out. It was pretty badass. And then my favorite overall experience, I'd say, this year was Stalker Farms. It had it was a nice long trail. You know, you're going through uh, a number of different scenes, and it was a great night with. You know, the, the moon shining through the corn stalks, and it just had a creepy ambiance all its own. So I, I got to say my, my favorite overall experience this year was Stalker Farm. But all three haunts are good for different things, and they're definitely worth your time. So depending on, you know, if you have a family maybe, go to Dark Hollow. If you want the, the scares, if you've teen, got teenagers, go, then go to Seattle House of Horrors. For the overall everything, go to Stalker Farms. All of them are open until November 1st, and uh, check out some haunts, man. I can't recommend it enough. Did you do stuff like that, Gordon? You know, I live in a place that is flat and agricultural, and they just don't do that haunt thing very much. They do corn mazes and pumpkin patches. Now, there's a corn maze that does, like, do a, a nighttime thing where there's a couple of strobe lights, and at the very end, a guy fires up a chainsaw to, to freak you out. But, no, it's, it's really much more about the, the spectacle of... of corn and pumpkin down here where you like ride these you ride tricycles around through the various corn and hay maze areas giant pit of dried corn kernels that you can dive into really? uh, <laughs> that sounds kind of fun actually it is kind of cool we went to cool patch pumpkin patch whatever the crap it's called cool patch it is the it, the world's record largest corn maze um, and then they've got all kinds of other stuff too, but it's it's more of a daylight attraction. Bring the kids, but it is suffering from that, that Disney syndrome where just about everything in it now you have to pay just a little extra for. It, you, it, the pumpkins they they jacked the prices on the pumpkins this year. I couldn't believe how expensive the pumpkins were, and then every little thing within it. They you know it used to be you could rent a tricycle, you know, great big ad knobby tire tricycle thing to zip around in for. A couple of bucks, and now it's like five bucks, and they want to charge you to jump in the corn pit. But they didn't have their act together when we went there. We went there early in the day. We didn't even know they were charging for this area, and the kids and I were all, you know, playing in the corn. And then when we left, that's when they set up the ticket booth and everything. So, ha, we got the free corn bath. <laughs> <laughs> so how much is the pumpkin down there? I'm not exactly sure because I bought a whole trunk full of pumpkins, and it cost me like 40 bucks. 
You're shitting me for no. pumpkins? No, and that was in years past. That's been like 15 to 20 bucks maybe to get a whole trunk full of pumpkins. Man, for 40 bucks, I would drill a hole and bone all of those pumpkins. I did. <laughs> <laughs> that last one was brought to you by Cock Goblin. <laughs> <laughs> Goblin Cock. <laughs> okay, so... Yeah, we definitely, you know, they, we get a better They have meal. a variety of pumpkins, though. I mean, there are so many different kinds of pumpkins. Every year, you see new pumpkins like you've never seen before. It's crazy. Yeah. Crazy kinds of pumpkins down here in the flatlands. You got those flat princess pumpkins or whatever? <laughs> yeah, got we, the ones that look like starfish, and they got the, the ones that are, like, white with the orange veins all over them. Kind of like Steve's cock. Yeah. <laughs> definitely, if we go to the No Frills pumpkin patch, we get a much better deal, the... The cool pumpkin patches with the corn maze and the hay rides and all that stuff, they, they cost a lot more. Yeah, maybe that's... Pro- the other thing is, in years past, we've gone very close to Halloween. Um, and this year, we hit it early in the season. And it seems like at the end, in the in past years, you, you pull up your wagon of pumpkins and they look at it like, ah, uh, 10, 50. Right. Like, <laughs> 10, 50. And, and this year, they're, you know, cataloging each pumpkin. Well, it's, that's that's this size, and that's that variety, and they're much more uptight about it. Well, you may be looking at, too, you know, when fuel prices and seed prices and all that shit were high like a year ago, that these, are the, these pumpkins are like the result of the higher prices, the higher fuel and energy prices that we were seeing that long ago. And it's just that's true. finally getting through the goose, you know what I mean? <laughs> Well, the other thing is this year's been a bitch for farming because we're having a drought, so I'm sure that contributed too. I don't know. That reminds me of my kids' carnival. Every time we go to carnival, they always have a cake walk or a stuffed animal walk or a book walk, and you have to like go around and around to music, and then they stop the music, and they call out some numbers, and you go win a cake. And it always seems like at the very beginning, they're calling out like they're so stingy with the cakes. They're like, okay, number 15, and like one person of 20 wins a cake. But by the end of the night, they're like throwing cakes at everybody. You know, everybody wins <laughs> a cake because they want to get rid of them. I think that's kind of the same thing. I think you're right. Could be. So, multimedia triage. What do you guys want to start with? I Sell the Dead? Sure. Start with I Sell the Dead. I read the comic book. I saw the DVD. We did. And that was very cool. Uh, Glass Eye Pictures was kind of enough in IFC Films. We're kind enough to provide us with screeners and comics of uh, I Sell the Dead. So uh, why don't you, do you care to synopsize, sir? I'll synopsize. Oh, God, what's the name of the actor? I'm spacing on it. Dominic uh, Monaghan. And? Fessenden, right? Larry Fessenden? No, the who's the, the who's the priest? Ron Perlman. Okay, so it's got Ron Perlman in it for all you Ron Perlman fans. Hellboy, awesome. Yeah. It clearly was the, the the movie and comic book pretty much tell the same tale, and I think that they were developed pretty much at the same time. I think the guy the guy s- sketched out ideas for a movie, and uh, it became a comic book and a and a short movie. It's it's barely over an hour long, like hour twenty minutes, I think. Yeah, something like that. And the the whole idea is um, the basis of the movie is these guys. It's the the life and time of these of these grave robbers who. Begin robbing graves, but not too far into their grave robbing career, stop robbing graves for living and start robbing graves for the undead. <laughs> and uh, hijinks ensue. 
Yeah, that was a pretty cool movie. A little episodic. It, it, I was glad it wasn't much longer. It had some. It had some fun. Some fun scenes to it. I don't want to give anything away, but there were some scenes that they did very, very well. And it was a fun comic book as well. The, the artists that they got to draw could really draw hands. I thought that was cool. The way <laughs> there's a lot of hands drawn really well. It's that that easy, simple, blocky style of art that looks easy until you actually try to do it, and then you realize how hard it is. I, you know, I feel like I can't tell you a lot about the movie without giving away the plot. You just gotta watch it. The I'd say go rent this thing. Was awesome. And wait, no, you can't go. You're giving it away. Yep. How so? I mean, it's in the trailer, dude. Okay, spoiler oh, alert. Oh, well, I didn't watch the trailer. <laughs> oh, okay. Stop listening if you don't want to hear the next spoiler. Speaking of the mic. Stop listening if you don't want to hear the spoiler. I, I see the problem. She's not getting the mic close enough to her mouth. Exactly. Steve, take the mic off your penis. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's like mouth repellent. <laughs> <laughs> That last joke brought to you by Cock Goblin. <laughs> <laughs> Goblin Cock. I think. Dark English Ale. The first scene involving the undead was awesome. Yes, it was. <laughs> <laughs> you know, maybe we should let Steve do the she... reviews from now on. I just realized how bad I suck at this. Yeah, it's not you. She was like no. purposely trying to sound wooden. She's fucking with me. I think we should do a whole episode. The first thing with Julie the Catherine. undead was some kind of interesting and fascinating. Son of a bitch. Come on, honey. Give me a heavy game. <laughs> and you know, anytime there's someone with a face that's too horrible to see, that's hidden behind a mask, you know there's going to be a reveal later on in the movie. And you just know it. it. Just like if there's a gun in Act 1, it's going to fire before Act 3 is over. And... Awesome, awesome facial reveal in this movie. I really like that. That was probably my favorite part of the whole movie. <laughs> so what I dug about it, you had kind of pointed out that you, you thought the acting was cheesy. Yeah, the acting was cheesy. And the more I thought about it, the more I thought that's just this is just a genre for the movie. Yeah, that was a style. That was like a play acting style, which I loved. I loved the interplay with Ron Perlman and Don Minnick Monaghan. Like they're yeah. they're going back and forth as Monahan is telling the tale of how he got involved in grave robbing. Uh, really loved, again, as Julie mentioned, the first time that they bump into the undead. The uh, It just had like this ramped up evil dead sort of energy to it that was a lot of fun. And that scene had me just cracking up. And there was yeah, a number. Was of, there was a number of scenes like that where you know they have some kind of a deal with the undead, and it was just hilarious. Uh, what else? Oh, Angus Scrim was in it. The tall man from the Phantasm films was yeah. Doctor Quint, who uh, you know had a great, a small part, but still it was a very cool part. The zombies were kind of like again agitated and 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 very energetic in a way, fa- kind of fast moving and hyper in an Evil Dead sort of a fashion. I just, I really enjoyed the film. I thought it was a fantastic way to kind of get yourself into the Halloween spirit. This is one of those fun Halloween movies that you can watch and just have a good time watching it. Yeah, it was a fun movie. You liked it more than I did, I think. It was a fun movie. The only real complaint I had about the movie that's like a complaint is the soundtrack. Holy God. 
That was awful. Really? I don't know where they dug that up. I don't but even that remember. That was distracting. That's so funny. So you sound is a big thing with you in film. I'm finding because yeah, you know, but not for much longer because I'm going deaf. You mentioned that recently on another film too, and it didn't. Well, that bug was the sound design. That wasn't the soundtrack. But it didn't bug me at all. And the same with this. The soundtrack didn't bug me. I mean, I had a couple of gripes, as you mentioned. It sort of had an episodic nature, which fucked with the flow, but. You know, in, in a way, I kind of felt that's even nitpicky. I feel bad bringing that up. There was a shitty CGI kill that I was that was that one kind of was like, oh come on, guys. That was the yeah. the one misstep in the film was there was one CGI killed at a peak moment where you just kind of go, that looked terrible. But other than that, I mean, I, I really had just so much fun watching the film that I find hard to I find it hard to you know poke too much at it. The the other thing that you had mentioned was kind of that you had figured out one of the twists earlier on. Yeah. And I think you were supposed to figure that out. You were supposed to figure that out when the protagonists were figuring that out. Because yeah, I think you're right. The, the comic were, book had an extra twist. I wish the movie would have had. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. And the comic book was is, is it's a cool movie tie-in, a definite, and it almost appears like it's going to be a continuing series. Why? Because it ends with the words "to be continued." That and the continuing <laughs> adventures of Grimes and uh, oh, what's the other guy's name? Uh, I don't know. Uh, anyway. And other dude. Yeah. So it, it does. It ends with like basically an ad for the continuing adventures, which I'd love to see more of. But uh, you know, it seems here's the interesting thing. The, the art in the credits that you see in the film is by the same artist that did the comic book, but the comic book has much simpler lines. And I mean, I hate to crit criticize art, but doesn't it seem almost like it wasn't the same quality of art, but it's the same guy? Oh, it, I, it's, I didn't even know it was the same guy. I thought it was two totally different people. No, it's like Brahms Revel, and he was the same guy who did the, the, the art in, the, um, in the, the opening and closing. Hmm. Those different styles. Book. Yeah, I so. didn't think I liked the art. I didn't think it was too simple. I I thought it was cool. It, it looked just to me like kind of like a Oming does, who does powers. But that's exactly what I was thinking. But of. even a little more simple, and I would have liked to seen a little more detail. And having seen that the art that the guy did on like the movie poster, I know that he's capable of that. So I didn't know. You know, was it rushed? I'm not sure. I enjoyed the comic. No, but see, I'm, I'm overloaded with intricate line art right now because I'm trying to read that Blackest Night stuff, and holy Christ. Right. <laughs> That's a good point. Okay, cool. So uh, I think we both recommend I Sell the Dead. Check it out. I Sell the Dead is currently showing in selected theaters and in IFC On Demand. So demand it from your IFC. Uh, the, the next film that we'll be reviewing, uh, Julie and I saw Zombieland this week. Awesome movie. I liked it a lot. I thought it was a lot of fun to synopsize a little bit. Let me see. Uh, it's written by Rhett Reese and Paul Wernick and directed by Ruben Fleischer. Film stars Woody Harrelson as Tallahassee, Jesse Eisenberg as Columbus, Emma Stone as Wichita, and Abigail Breslin as Little Rock, who are survivors of the zombie apocalypse and uh, their adventures therein. Uh, and it's just a lot of fun. Now, the, w the one thing that I kind of did... There's a certain point at the movie where a big action scene happens, and they don't, they, you know, a lot of the movie is based around uh, Columbus has rules for how to survive the zombie apocalypse. 
and the, he's constantly referencing these rules to great comedic effect that, you know, something will happen to illustrate a rule and, like, uh, a graphic will come up stating, you know, you know, rule two, always double tap. You know, that, that sort of thing. And there's a point in the film where, depending on how you look at it, he failed to follow one of his own rules. And he doesn't pay for it. And you kind of realize at that moment that, wow, this is more of a comedy than it is a zombie film. It's not a horror movie. It's a comedy. And, you know, once you get your head around that, I mean, it's light. It's very funny. There was a ton of laughs in it. But a lot of people have been, con you know, comparing it to, like, Shaun of the Dead, which I think was a zombie film first and a comedy second. So it's not really apples to apples comparing the two. What do you think? Oh, I thought it was a great movie overall. Um, I don't know. I thought it was, you know, I think for me it was probably more of a comedy, but mostly because um, there was there was a really long period in the middle of the movie that was lacking zombies. And so yeah. I think that at the, at the beginning it was like, you know, they sort of like put it all out there at the beginning. It was a really, really strong opening. It was really you know, oh, full of zombies. It Gord, was just so well the done. Yes. The opening to this film is maybe the best opening I've seen in the last couple of years. Wow. It is fantastic mix of graphics, action, slow motion, editing. and music, yeah. and editing. It's just brilliantly done, and it just pulls you into the film so quickly. That, cool. You know, that alone, it's, it's just it's fantastic to check it out. And then there's a long, long, long period of, you know, like uh, story development, character development. character development, and people beating each other, and there's like just no zombies. And it was like, okay, well, hmm, we need a little bit more zombie action. And so then, of course, at the end, it's like huge. So I, I think maybe that's yeah, more you have the Yeah, you have point. the huge epic zombie climax, and because it's a comedy, it doesn't go down in the way that you come to expect being certainly a zombie movie fan. But that's not a bad thing. It's just a different kind of film. And, you know, thoroughly enjoy it. Great stuff. I agree. Um, yeah, I, I don't know much more to say about it. If you haven't seen it, please check it out. Okay. Well, what else should we talk about here? I've got a book review here. People read books? I can read, motherfucker. Are you drawing? Yeah. I can hear you. Can oh, hear man. You <laughs> I can hear you erasing, actually. No, I'm drawing with a ballpoint pen that leaked all over my hand and my candy. Aww. Okay, so, I got a book review this week. Uh, I actually read Death Troopers by Joe Schreiber from Delray Books last week, which is a, get this, Stormtroopers and Zombies novel. Oh, how cool is that? It's fucking zombies in Star Wars, dude. So... The, the story takes place just before A New Hope aboard this prison barge that's floating through space, and they lose their engine powers. Okay, and they run across this derelict star destroyer that's floating through space. They pull up to it, and everybody is dead on it, and it turns out that the Emperor had been developing a biological weapon that got loose and basically turns everybody into zombies. So Wait a minute, isn't that the plot from... Uh Serenity also? I'd never seen Serenity. Really? Never seen Serenity? Oh, I just gave away the ending. <laughs> Nicely done. <laughs> well, it I, came out like five years ago, though. So I'm you know, sure all the uh, brown coats will appreciate your spoiler, too. <laughs> 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 Way to go. Anyway, so, yeah. So they hit the Star Destroyer. Everybody is turned into zombies except for a doctor, 
uh, a pair of brothers, uh, evil stormtrooper captain, and the two people in the Star Wars universe that you would most like to see fucking up zombies. I won't spoil it. I won't spoil it, but it's fucking awesome. So, you know, madness ensues. The zombies are going after them. Uh, it's a lot of fun to have, you know, the zombies running amok in this world. Uh, the way they handle the zombies, they're fast-moving, kind of intelligent, return-of-the-living-dead-style zombies. They can sort of learn a little bit, and so they become increasingly dangerous as the novel progresses. And it's a great time. It's a quick read. I think it's only about 300 pages, and it's a lot of fun. One thing, though, the ending kind of sucks. Because it's so set up for a sequel that it doesn't really handle its business like it should. But that said, it's a fun read for fans of either Star Wars stuff or, uh, you know, zombies overall. So you want to take a guess who the two characters from Star Wars are that you'd like to be fighting zombies? Don't spoil it. I just want to know if he wants to take a guess. I'll, I'll take a guess. Jar Jar Binks and the percussionist from the bar scene in the first movie. You're right! Dude, nailed it. <laughs> All right, what else? Okay, I got a uh, CD review this week. Uh, Skeleton Witch, the uh, kind of thrash throwback band uh, from Athens, Ohio, has a new CD that hit last week called Breathing the Fire, which uh, if you are a fan of old school thrash like Megadeth, Metallica, Exodus, great fucking stuff. Or even, especially the German stuff like uh, Sodom, Creator, or Destruction. This CD just, like, scratches every itch I have for thrash metal. It starts out of the gate with, like, three just absolutely scorching numbers before it gives you a respite with, like, a mid-paced uh, tune. Just really good shit, man. Um then it, they come back with uh, the song Stand, Fight, and Die, which is like Slayer, old Slayer off of Show No Mercy or maybe Evile. And then uh, uh, this song that's like totally fast called with uh, machine gun, just machine gun drumming called Crushed Beyond Dust. And my favorite on the CD, uh, Blinding Black Rage. And then the, the, uh, the album ends just like it started with about three more thrashers. I mean, if you like that sort of music, it is great stuff. I think it's even better than their first album, album Beyond the Permafrost. Uh, now, Gord, I know you're not a fan of the kind of the Cookie Monster vocals. Indeed. This band does kind of, it's retro th- old school thrash, and then they'll throw in kind of like Maiden-esque solos, and the guy does both the Cookie Monster vocals and then the higher kind of Crypt Keeper so- vocals as well. <laughs> Wait, Cookie Monster and Tickle Me Elmo? Exactly, he can do both. <laughs> I'm going to have to listen to this. So, yeah, uh, let me see here. The singer's name is uh, Chance Garnett, and he does a great job with the vocals. The guitarists, uh, Nate Garnett and Scott Hedrick. I mean, it's it's great shit. I love this album. Five stars out of five. Just pick it up if you're a fan of thrash or metal at all. It's fucking great. And then one last thing. Uh, I kind of owe Lloyd Kaufman a couple of reviews. You know Lloyd Kaufman from Troma Films? Oh, yeah. Uh, when I met him at Crypticon, or back in uh, a few months ago, uh, he passed on a couple of movies for me to review, and uh, I'm finally getting around to it. So the two films that I saw from Troma, uh, who are, you know, well-known for, like, cult movies and kind of grindhouse type of flicks, 
Uh, the two movies I saw were the, the last horror film and Pigs, uh, both of which kind of deal with uh, protagonists who are, in many ways, not in all you know in touch with reality. The last horror film, which is uh, also known as Fanatic, was uh, made in 1982, directed by David Winters. It stars Joe Spinell, who was in uh, the film Maniac and uh, The Godfather, actually, of all things. Uh, and also uh, Carolyn Rose in the film, also of Maniac, and she was a Bond girl. Uh, and the, the film is filmed uh, completely on location just about at the Cannes Film Festival. So, Gord, tons of breasts. Yes, very nice. So the, the story is about this. You uh, send me this DVD. This character, Vinny Durant, who's this kind of uh, this uh, New York cabbie who's living with his mother, and he has aspirations of being a filmmaker. He's in love with this uh, horror movie starlet named uh, Jenna Bates, played by Carolyn Monroe. And he gets the idea that he's going to go to Cannes Film Festival, and he's going to film her from a distance and basically work it into a movie. This is going to be her finest film. And he's going to do this if somehow he's going to win her over so that she wants to be a part of it. As soon as she sees his genius, then she'll want to, you know, get involved with this filming. Wait a minute. Isn't this the same plot as the movie Bowfinger with Steve Martin? Nah, it's kind of... There's shades of that, but this was years before. This is 1982. Okay. Steve and Martin also, you know, uh, King of New York with uh, De Niro and Scorsese back in the day. I mean, there's a little bit of that, too, sort of a vibe in it. Uh, and so he goes to Cannes. Uh, again, they, they they use all the assets of the Cannes Film Festival. So there's lots <laughs> of gorgeous naked women. And uh, the, the story comes comes down where this series of murders, all these people around, surrounding Jenna Bates start dying off. And she's got this stalker, Vinnie Durand, who's, you know, watching her from a distance and filming her the whole time. And, you know, some of the, the it, it kind of seems to be going on in a certain way. And then at the end, there's a twist that actually makes you reassess everything that you've seen up to that point and really won me over. Because, I mean, the film, it's, the, the film stock is mixed throughout. It's a director's cut, so it's clearly patched from different film sources. And some of the acting is, you know, not any better than, like, a TV movie of that time period. But it's really, you know, the way that they turned the whole film on a dime and made you change your view of it as a, a viewer, uh, I really enjoyed that. And at the end, I came out of that film thinking that it was really pretty cool. So I'd say check out the last fi horror film. Now, Pigs is a different thing. Now, it's got the, the protagonist in this is a woman named Lynn. Now, the film... Uh, this film uh, was also titled Dad Daddy's Deadly Darling and also Roadside Torture Chamber. Uh, was filmed in 1972 by director Mark Lawrence. Uh, and the uh, protagonist is Tony Lawrence, who plays Lynn Webster. Now, this, this poor woman, in the first 30 seconds of the film, she's sexually assaulted by her father and she kills him with a knife. So she, All right. In the first 30 seconds. And then she gets put in an insane asylum. She proceeds a few years later to escape from the insane asylum and run to a small town where she takes up with this old man pig farmer, who, interestingly enough, is her real-life father and the director of the film. Now, isn't that the same plot as... No. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the film, as the film progresses, she's clearly out of her mind, and, you know, as men will come along and try to date her, 
she starts serial killing people, and the old man, to help her out, feeds the bodies to the pigs. Okay, that is the same plot as the Pipkin Pig Farm Killer up in Canada. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> that's so, not a movie, that's a news story. Right, so, but again, 1972. Wow. Predated, so, yeah. So yeah, anyway, so, so that guy ripped off a movie. So this hey, can film, I eat my Kit Kat now? Yeah, knock yourself out. All right. So the the film, you know, proceeds in that way, but it and it, you know, it, in Europe it was actually called Motel Hell 2, but it doesn't have any of the quirkiness or the fun of that flick. It's just kind of a mean-spirited little ugly film that I, I really didn't enjoy at all. Like the, Dead Girl. The one thing I did enjoy about it, Mark Lawrence's performance as the old farmer. He did a really great job. I loved that character. And he was kind of sad, and he was, he was you know, dangerous in a way. But, you know, that was the best thing about it. I never really bought the character. And, I mean, how do you, like, lose sympathy for, you know, a character who's sexually assaulted? I mean, you, you should, at the start of the film, kind of feel like you're, in her, you're following her and rooting for her throughout the film. And she's just so fucking nuts that you can't. So, Pigs, I can't recommend. I didn't enjoy it at all. Last horror film, check it out. That's a good one for any fans of Grindhouse or cult cinema. Definitely something to check out. Pigs and Last Horror Film are currently streaming through Netflix uh, via your Xbox or uh, instant viewing, whatever they call it. Hey, I'm streaming right now. (laughs) And uh, thanks to Lloyd Kaufman and Troma for the flicks. Thanks, Lloyd. And that's it, man. That's all of uh, multimedia triage for this week. So, how's your Kit Kat? Dude, my Kit Kat is good. I like the Kit Kat. And I'm eating it now because I'm just feeling really more ill by the moment. And I may be enjoying this Kit Kat twice, if you know what I mean. Okay, it's time for our last candy. And now I am pouring the final beer of the evening as well. This is Double Dead Guy Ale from Rogue Brewery. Hey, I've got the sweatshirt, man. Of double dead guy? This no, comes it's in one a, sweatshirt. This comes in a blood red bottle. This is fucking awesome. When I saw this tonight, I knew I had to have a ringer in the pocket because Julie was going to screw me with something like the big cherry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I've got something worse than the big cherry. <laughs> oh, fucking great. Here you go. Enjoy some beer. Thank you. Cheers. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. May I present the last candy for you, Steve? Hit me. I'm ready. What I have today for you is the oh, fuck. Awihi Idaho Spud. Not the Idaho Spud. <laughs> <laughs> You're giving him a candy potato? Yes. Oh, man. I've had this before. It's truly nasty. This is a shitty candy bar. You must have really You know, some people off. love this. Didn't this go, like, for a long time out of, out of publication? Do you pronounce that Awihi? Awihi. Okay. So this is an Idaho spot here. I'm going to take a bite. It's chocolate. It has some sort of white sprinkle thingy on the outside it's and coconut. a paste on the inside. It's a coconut in like some kind of a nougat paste, but not in a nougat in a good way, like a Three Musketeers. It's kind of slimy, like... <laughs> Glutinous. <laughs> it's a glugit, not a nougat. Like frog shit or something? <laughs> it looks like snot. Man, you really... W- well, you have to have a bite of that. I'm pretty sure I can't eat that. I think I'm allergic. You're not allergic to coconut. <laughs> I'm allergic to whatever's inside. <laughs> We're going to make Gordon... It's eat. not the taste, it's the consistency. So that, that's a line from Zombieland, by the way, Gordon. 
Oh, okay. About coconut. Uh, the the character Tallahassee fucking loves Twinkies. Oh, God, that's nasty. And so he's going through, you know, he's going through the zombie, the, the, the post-apocalypse looking for Twinkies. And they hit this hostess truck, and it's filled with snowballs. Oh. And he's, he's totally pissed. And then that comes out. He's like, oh, you want a snowball? Columbus asks him. He's like, no, I hate coconut. It's not the taste. It's the consistency. Yeah, Idaho Spud sucks ass. But, so okay, that's but a, which one was worse, the Big Cherry or the Idaho Spud? You know, the Rocky Road was the best. I kind of thought you would like the Rocky Road, so you kind of have to give me props for that one. Well, yeah, but it's too similar to the Idaho Spud because both of them have, like, gooey middles. Yeah, All but right. you could identify the gooey middle of the other one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, that's the end of Multimedia Triage and our uh, treat review segment. I would like to thank you, Julie, for coming on. Thank you for having me. No, get a room. <laughs> All right, and we have one last song from The Mighty Creep Show. This is called Cherry Hill. a house beyond the trees The air is cold and it's saving with
I'm Tom Atkins. Thrill me. You're listening to The Bone Bat Show. And that was Cherry Hill once again by The Creep Show. So, dude, one last thing I forgot. I wanted to introduce uh, something kind of new. Whenever I come across a great fucking deal, I'd like to pass it on. We're going to call this Bonehands Bargain of the Month. <laughs> no, this you is just a, made me laugh so hard I messed up the cartoon I was drawing. I this is, this is a cool fucking deal. So Relapse.com has currently 50% off all CDs released before 2009, good until Halloween. So this is a, Relapse is primarily a metal label, but if you dig bands like Cephalic Carnage, Obscura, Dillinger, Escape Plan, Necrophagist, Origin, the early CDs from Nile, all of them are 50% off. And the reason to check this deal out alone, Mastodon's Leviathan for six bucks, dude. Nice. Everybody should own this fucking CD. It is a fantastic CD. So go to relapse.com and buy that shit, man. Awesome deal. All right. Okay. Filthy jokes. Filthy jokes. Do you want to start or should I start? Go ahead. You can start. I can start? Okay. I feel like I've been talking a lot. You have been. Okay. So Kathleen is standing vigil at her husband Jack's deathbed. It's, it's been a tough time. He's clearly at the end. And as she leans over him, her tears drop upon his forehead, and he wakes up, and he looks at his wife, and he starts to try to speak. And she says, no, no, sweetheart, don't, don't say anything. No, I, I must. I, I have to speak. I, I need to confess something. And she says, well, you don't, no, 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 you don't need to confess anything. No. I, if I'm going to go to my maker, I, I need to do so with a clear conscience. You know my secretary? I, I, I've been nailing her for years. No, 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 honey, you don't have... And not just her. Your sister, your brother Doug, <laughs> your mom. I, I've been nailing all of them. And Kathleen says, well, honey, it's okay. I know that. And he says, you know? And she said, of course. Why do you think I poisoned you? Come on. Really? Yeah. I like that. Fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) Your turn. All right. So a, uh, a Franciscan friar is remodeling a room in the monastery. And he, uh, he gets to the point of in the remodel he's nearly at the end and he's got to paint the room so not wanting being being a man of he's taken a vow of poverty he doesn't have a large wardrobe he doesn't want to get his uh his robe covered in paint so he he takes off the robe and he he sets it in the corner and he proceeds to start painting the room and as he's painting the room he's about halfway through naked and uh, there's a knock at the door. And he goes, oh, no, you know, I, I can't be seen in this shameful state. And he goes, uh, who is it? And a voice from the other side of the door goes, uh, blind man. It's like, oh, blind man? Well, I guess that won't really matter. Uh, come on in. So the door opens, a guy walks in. He goes, nice dick, father. Where do you want the blinds? <laughs> that was good. I liked it. Thanks. And if I didn't, at least I was polite enough to laugh, you cocks. <laughs> I'm not giving you anything you don't know. <laughs> All right. Thank yous. 
Again, I'd like to thank Sarah Sin and the Creep Show for the fantastic music. Yeah. I'd like to thank Dan and the staff of Field of Screams. Dan and the staff of Field of Screams. I'd like to thank Eric at Dark Hollow. And I'd like to thank Michael and Greg at the Seattle House of Horrors. The music during the uh, Haunted uh, Tours segment was uh, from Knox Arcana, one of the premier haunt music bands in the haunt industry. The music you heard is from the CD Blackthorn Asylum. You can pick that up at knoxarcana.com or at Halloween stores near you. Uh, and I would like to thank Knox Arcana and Christine at Monolith Graphics for uh, providing the music. Additionally, I'd like to thank uh, anyone who voted for us for the podcast awards. Yeah, thanks. Uh, nominations have just completed, uh, so we'll know in two or three weeks if we made it to the ballot. And uh, just the fact that you guys thought enough of us to nominate us, I really appreciate that. So thank you. That's all right. Contest results. Uh, we had three winners from last episode's Defense Grid, Grid Me Contest. The winners are Steve W., Jeff C., and Grant A., who all have taken possession of their codes and hopefully are playing the awesome game, uh, Defense Grid The Awakening, as we speak. Now, Dude, I, can't, I cannot beat the last level. I can't. I, I, I got through everything right up to the last level, and I just keep getting annihilated. I'm on level 11, so I'm still working on it. I did get past level 10 that I talked to you about. But okay. uh, that's a, it's a fun game. I'm having a great time with it. Now, the, the caption contest that we had going uh, was a different matter. We actually had zero applicants. <laughs> so I guess that's what that tells us about our listening audience is that they're quick to send an email with the words grid me in it, but pretty slow to do anything beyond that. Yeah, I, I'm not sure about the interest. We in, may uh, be expecting too much out of being, our audience. Being creative. But uh, I, it also came to my attention, somebody did mention, though, that perhaps we didn't post the con- the contest easily enough to be found on the Bonehand site. So that, that could be my fault. So how should we replace this contest? I still got a big old swag bag here from PAX. All right, we gave away the, grid, the defense grid, the awakening code, though, right? Yes, we did. All three codes. Okay. All three codes are given away, but we still so now have, we have we've got a left for, left swag. left for dead T-shirt, got some video games, got a couple other T-shirts. I think there's like three T-shirts in the bag. Wow, got a uh, you know we'll chuck in a uh, archive DVD of the show, pumpkin contest, Halloween, Halloween let's, pumpkin. Let's do it. Okay, that sounds awesome. So, uh, if email to Steve at Bonehand.com your picture of this year's uh, jack o' lantern that you've carved. Or I guess I wouldn't even fucking know if it was from last year. But please make sure that you carved it no, yourself. No, we, we can carbon date these pumpkin pictures. <laughs> we'll know. Email me, whoever emails me the coolest pumpkin picture that you carved. We will award. We will mail you a big-ass swag bag of cool stuff from PAX. And uh, it'll be cool. You'll love it. Left 4 Dead 2 t-shirt. I mean, what's not to love? You better get on it because, you know, Left 4 Dead 2 is coming out November 17th. So you want to have this prior to, so you're like a forerunner ahead of the curve. You want to be cutting edge. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. And hey, girls, if you want to send me pictures of your pumpkins, <laughs> send them to Steve. He'll send them to me. I will. Steve at bonehand.com. Okay. The usual bullshit. Uh, if you want to take part in the show, uh, you want to leave a, a question for Jess Ask Gord. You want to leave some feedback. You want to tell us what pisses you off. 
Give us a call at 206-203-3115. You can alternately email steve at bonehand.com. Uh, I've got new content on bonehand.com every Sunday. And where can I find your stuff, Gord? Mightywombat.com for a weekly cartoon. DavisLifeMagazine.com for a monthly column. Sweet. You can also follow me. I am Bonehand on Twitter if you want to hear my uh, infrequent musings. Also, you can join the Bonebat forums if you would like to chat with us as well. If you like what we do, uh, we do appreciate reviews on iTunes, votes on Podcast Alley, or uh, even better, tell a friend about us. Uh, get the word out that way. So uh, I, I think that's about it for episode 34. Happy Halloween, everyone. Happy Halloween. All right. This is Steve. Oh, hold on. Brother D? Hey, man, what are you doing here? Hey, funny man. You know what I find refreshing? This. <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. Gord. Gord, are you there? Gord. Gord. Bren? I've got some meat for you, bitch-ass motherfucker. Ah! My arm! Bren, it was a fucking joke! No! No! Bren!
Run for your life Run for your life